0: Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Wednesday, December the 16th, 2020. And on Friday, the Kentucky State High School Football Championships start at Kroger Field. Uh, All six classes, three play on Friday, three play on Saturday. And to break all that down, I got Jared Peck, the preps writer for the Herald-Leader. Our high school writer extraordinaire, I got Jared to break down all six matchups to talk about the playoffs in general and what we might expect starting Friday at Kroger Field going all the way through Saturday. So my guest is Jared Peck of the Arrow Leader, and we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to get right to it with Jared Peck of the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Jared Peck, the preps writer for the Lexington Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com, my colleague at the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. How's it going today, Jared?
1: It's going well. Thanks for having me. Well,
0: thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Uh, We had you on earlier right before the playoffs started, and I got uh, on the podcast, got a good reaction from that. Uh, People were happy to hear uh, a podcast on high school football and – and uh, getting everybody prepared for the playoffs. Now we are to the end of the playoffs. We got the state championships, state high school football championships coming up this weekend at Kroger field, three games on Friday, three games on Saturday. First, let me ask you about the semifinals last weekend. Uh, what stuck out to you about the semifinals? I think there were a couple surprises. Am I, am I right about that that happened in the
1: semis? There are a few surprises. Uh, Frederick Douglass went to Owensboro and found tough sledding there. Um, they threw a pick six on the, the very first play. It put them in the hole, and then uh, you know, and came all the way back from 21 nothing down in the first half to uh, take a 27-21 lead, but missed the extra point, and then uh, you know, gave up a go-ahead score inside the final three minutes, and then came down and drove to the 10-yard line. It was fourth and one inch at the 10 with 23 seconds left. And the uh, coach, Nate McPhee, opted to to just kick the field goal. And unfortunately, the field goal for Douglas, unfortunately, the field goal was uh, missed uh, wide left. For the Owensboro home crowd, they were ecstatic and had a really good performance from their team defensively and offensively. And we got to see Gavin Wimsatt, dual-threat quarterback for the Red Devils, who is a U.K. target and uh, one of the top dual-threat quarterbacks in the nation. He threw three TDs. Wow.
0: Well, yeah, we'll we'll talk about him when we get to the uh, David, when we talk about uh, each class. Um, uh, any other upsets? Uh, was was I, Franklin I County? That... Ka- Franklin, I know Franklin County beat Johnson Central. Was that a surprise?
1: It wasn't a surprise to me. It was a su- surprise to to other people around the state because Johnson Central is is such a stalwart, you know, making so many state finals right in a row. Uh, but Franklin County um, has an offense that gives teams trouble. I mean, Johnson Central is a running team, and Franklin County preps for them because they play. Cent- they have to play Central to get through their district. So they play Central twice a year. That's essentially the same offense with essentially the same personnel. Right. And Franklin County whooped Central um, uh, in their district championship game. So I felt like they could handle Johnson Central in their run game because it's really – you know, they're doing the same kinds of, I mean, it's different personnel, of course, but the same kind of things with the same kind of, you know, results against most other teams, except if, if you're prepped for it, <laughs> right. if you study it twice a year, um, you're, you're a little bit prepared for it. So, yeah, that shocked a lot of people around the state. I picked Franklin County in that game because I felt like uh, Franklin County was ready.
0: Wow. Well, good. Well, good for you. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> anything else about the semifinals? Mm-hmm.
1: I had very little to do with it, but <laughs> you had very little to do with <laughs> it. With Franklin County's win, but I did, well, yeah, I did see it. I you, mean, but you saw it coming. So that's good. I maybe saw it coming. Yeah. Okay. It could have gone, it could have gone the other, could have gone like last year and they turned the ball over four times and John Central beats it like a drum, yeah. um, like they did Boyle County last year. Uh, but uh, no, I think it's stuck to, to script everywhere else. We got Kentucky Country Day and Paintsville in 1A uh lexington christian beachwood took care of business uh ball county of course uh took care of business and and really hasn't been tested you know they won 55 nothing last week against hopkinsville and um you know uh, Elizabethtown and ashland blazer i think one of those was an escape and then um yeah, trinity and mel i mean who who didn't expect trinity and mel to be in class 6a right, like? right.
0: What, you know, when we talked on the podcast before the playoffs started, we also talked about the COVID situation and about, uh, you know, the coronavirus pandemic, trying to play high school football in a pandemic, and I know there were a few teams that – dropped out of the playoffs who who qualified as you said I think uh, on the thing most of them that had dropped out or were not going to play were teams that really didn't have much of a chance chance anyway Uh, so as you I think you said which correctly so if you're why take a two-hour three-hour bus ride when you know you've got a little chance of winning and risk uh, the COVID and all that Uh, how were the playoffs up to this point did they were, were there massive disruptions or not very many disruptions how's that all gone?
1: there were three cancellations in the regional championship round involved madison southern rowan county and, and one other that i'm forgetting uh, madison southern probably had a reason to, to have a grievance um, but i mean they came up with a COVID case on their team i think um I, I don't know exactly for privacy reasons what exactly happened but they were going to play covenant catholic and that might have been a good game for them considering what covenant catholic did last week against bowling green um so that's unfortunate i don't think round county was going much farther um but you you never know and So why you you play the game for a reason i didn't think that owensboro was going to beat douglas uh the scare was that franklin county game against allen county uh Uh, Simpsonville, Um, that game was delayed by a day because there was a a COVID uh, issue uh, as they were traveling to the game Friday night, and they didn't cancel the game outright, and ACS didn't forfeit. They ended up having a conference call the next day after a consultation with the health department, both school systems, and the KHSAA and decided that it was okay to play despite the concern and they played it on Saturday night and Franklin County won that game going away Um, but that was an instance where everybody was kind of concerned about could this carry over could there be an effect uh, team to team Um, because if if the Allen County team came down with a COVID case last week after playing that game then Franklin County would have been shut out and some loser from the previous week would have gotten that it's spot split. to go play Johnson Central wow. and that was a, a disaster waiting to happen unfortunately it didn't it didn't happen but uh good say that there was a lot of concern about that and we're're we're, we're fortunate that the, none of the state's semifinals were disrupted and tomorrow at uh let's see tomorrow I think at five o'clock is the deadline for there be, to be any uh, implications for the state finals if we have a cancellation before tomorrow uh, i believe it maybe 9 a.m it could be 9 a.m could be 5 p.m but uh, sometime tomorrow if there's a if a team has to back out then one of the losing teams the next highest losing team uh, will be invited to the state championship game and get about a day and a half to practice and come on wow Um, that'll be, I don't want to, I don't think anybody wants to see that, but that's a possibility after Wednesday, the championship will just be awarded if somebody has to back out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. Cause I will ruin this podcast as well because so we, <laughs> we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. So we don't want to do nobody. Hope, hope everybody stay safe, keep your I mask on, stay safe. safe so you can show up at Kroger field on Saturday uh, yep. and you can make this podcast relevant. Uh, okay. Let's go through each class. We'll start with uh, class. We'll start with class a Kentucky country day against uh, Paintsville. Um, uh, now, uh, uh, who is the favorite in this one?
1: This is interesting because I, I think Paintsville is a slight favorite, but they're ranked below K- Kentucky Country Day. Uh, wow. K- Country Day is ten and one. Paintsville is nine and two. And the RPI rankings: KCD is number two. Paintsville is number four. Last year, this was a state semifinal game, and Paintsville beat uh, KCD forty-four to twenty. Wow! Now, Kentucky Country Day has 19 of 22 players back from that team, but they lost uh, their two best offensive players who generated like 4,500, 5,000 yards and 61 touchdowns. They've been able to replace that some, and they're pretty good now because they're in the state finals. Um, But, you know, Paintsville has a lot of kids back from that game as well, including their, their quarterback, who just got healthy and played the, for the first time last week, and and they've had the younger brother of their star last year. Um, it was John Walker Phelps last year. It's Harris Phelps this year, and I think he's just a sophomore and he's got more than a thousand yards and eighteen TDs rushing. And uh, I mean, the paintsville is the same as they were, um, and you know, KCD's are probably a little better and and has a lot of players, but I mean, that's, that shapes up to be a really good game. I think that's, that could be the tightest game of the weekend. And, uh, I I've picked Paintsville 21, 20. My confidence level in that pick is probably 25%. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's, it's not high. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, the fact you picked it as such a close score. Yeah. Yeah. Now Paintsville, they made the finals last year, right?
1: They did. And, they, and they, 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 they had got... a, they had a turnover early and it kind of snowballed. Yeah. on them and Pikeville just became, you know, too much, too fast for them. And I, I think they had played earlier in the year and Paintsville thought they knew it was coming. And then P- Pikeville just put it on right them. Um, and that game got out of hand, like pretty early, um, but not because, I mean, they played them tight earlier in the year. I just think it was the moment they kind of got to Paintsville and it didn't get to Pikeville. Cause I think Pikeville had been there maybe the year before. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the moment's going to get to Paintsville this year. I think they're going to know what's what, what's going there, and, and the moment could get to Kentucky Country Day because being in Kroger Field's a different deal. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, let's go on to Class Two A. We got the Lexington team, the only Lexington team left. Lexington Christian against Beechwood. Of course, Beechwood seems to be uh, in the finals, or uh, you know, a powerhouse year in and year out. What about this matchup?
1: Uh. Beachwood is the team that survived uh, uh, last week uh, getting tested from West Carter and had to score a, a touchdown two-point conversion to win it in the last uh, minute or so. Uh, LCA has been the strongest team all season. Uh, it's the number one team, according to the RPI, and Beachwood's number four. Uh, LCA just has a lot going for it, and it's still young. They have a lot of juniors that are that their main players, um you know the quarterback Drew Nevis has got 2,500 yards and 28 TDs, and uh, Marty Moore's kid Mason Moore uh, merges as a receiver this year. He's almost got a thousand yards receiving and 11 touchdowns. Um, you know Xavier Brown is their highest recruited player as a junior. He's a receiver, scat back kind of player um, going on. You know he's got more than a thousand total yards for Beechwood. They've got uh, a quarterback who I, I thought was probably the 2A player of the year, but uh, Kaya Sharon out of Somerset got that. There were a lot of uh, quality 2A uh, player of the year candidates, in- including some kids from LCA. But uh, at Beachwood, they have quarterback Cameron Hargott, who's who's a dual threat and has thrown for over 2,300 yards and rushed for almost 1,000 yards and has 24 passing TDs and 14 rushing TDs and led their comeback win last week. And, it's just been a star for them for a couple of seasons. You know, Beachwood has got, you know, 14 state titles. This is just, you know, they they've got moved, um, I think, up to 2A. They have 14 titles all in Class A. They've been in Class 2A for two years, and their second year, they're in the state title game. This is nothing new for these uh, Beachwood Tigers. Um, and, and there's a lot to like about them. I, I think... You know, I don't think either of these teams defends particularly well. This could be a shootout. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking 40s. <laughs> it could be, it could be anything, and it's going to come down to who commits the fewest turnovers, who makes the fewest mistakes. I, I liken this to the the game we see every year out of LCA and Somerset. Whoever makes the, whoever has the ball last generally wins the game. Whoever makes the fewest mistakes, or doesn't make a mistake in the second half wins the game. I mean, that's the kind of game I feel like we're going to see out of LCA and Beachwood. It, it, uh, I think LCA takes it because it just, they've been so good this year and I I think they're due, but would I be surprised that Beachwood won or that LCA committed a crucial turnover in the game or didn't get a two point conversion or yeah, I can see all that.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, that sounds like a good matchup then. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's move on to three A. We got Boyle County, who's a perennial power against Franklin County. How do you see that one shaping up?
1: Oh, it's um, it's four four is Boyle County and Franklin County. That's oh, Saturday. I skipped. Yeah, I
0: must have skipped one. Okay, go we ahead. can
1: stick with what, what happens. Is the four A game is is Friday night? Oh, okay. So, okay. um, because of the way they did it, I, I don't know why they do it that way. I guess it's crowd management. But anyway, so on the 4A game, is follows the LCA game. So the Friday Friday people are going to see some kind of offense come out. (laughs) The 3 o'clock and 7 o'clock games, they're going to use up all the offense. I don't know how much offense (laughs) we're going to get on Saturday Uh, because Boyle County and Franklin County both score tons of points. Uh, They both have pretty good defenses, I mean, Bull County hasn't really been tested. Uh, they got up on 28-0 on Lexington Catholic in their district championship game, and then they kind of let go of the rope a little bit. And Lexington Catholic rose up and and tried to get in that game, and had cut it to eight points uh, by the end of the game. They outscored them uh, quite a bit, like some something crazy, 41 to to 21 in the second half, uh, like that, and. You know, so Boyle County finally got a test there at the end. They weren't really in danger of losing. They're ten and zero. Um, Franklin County plays a lot like Boyle County. Um, they get the ball out pretty fast. They get it to their playmakers. Uh, Franklin County has uh, Fred Ferrier, who's one of the highest recruited uh, wide receivers in the state as a senior. Um, and then you know, the Boyle County is just. Uh, I talked to. To coach Justin Haddocks, who's taken over the team this year, mm-hmm. um, the culture at Boyle County, uh, combined with him being a quality coach, I mean, he knew he'd been beaten by Boyle County when he was at Corbin in a state title game, so he knew where he was going and what he got, and he's got everything he hoped for. Um, you know, they got a transfer from Anderson County at quarterback called Jagger Gillis. Uh, Gillis has been doing what Boyle County does. He has. You know, 24 passing TDs. He can run a little bit, bit, bit better than uh, the quarterback they had last year. Um, Will McDaniel, senior running back for uh, Boyle County, has 1,000 yards and 19 TDs rushing. Um, uh, they got a sophomore defensive end, Tommy Zeismer, who has 40 tackles and six sacks. That kid is being recruited by Kentucky. He's got D1 prospects. Like I said, Franklin County has a dual threat quarterback as well. He's he's more of a passing threat, but it's a it's a quick pass, dick and dunk offense. that gets the the ball to receivers in the flats and over the middle for you know crossings and trying to you know catch it for ten yards and run it for fifty. And they're pretty efficient about doing that.
0: So you think this is a pretty even matchup as well?
1: I I think so. I think. Franklin showed it could defend with anybody the way it put down Johnson Central last week. You know they got up on Johnson Central twenty to nothing. Um, I'm uncertain about whether their offenses or defenses hold sway. I think that they can um, both score it, but they can both stop it. And you know I, I don't think it's just a shootout of LCAs and Beachwoods kind of thing because I think the defenses are more solid. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Boyle County. Probably takes it, maybe by less than a touchdown, um, maybe in the twenties. But I'm just shooting. <laughs> I don't, don't know. I don't really know. I think Boyle County has been there, done that before. Right. They were there last year. They've got a lot of kids that remember being there last year. Um, they know, they know that they blew it last year. They committed five. The the Rebels committed five turnovers in that championship game and lost by one. Wow. And a lot of kids remember that and they want to make up for it. And I think that might be the difference, um, Friday night. Okay.
0: Since I've got these things out of order now, let's go to Saturday. What, what's the, which one then is the first game on Saturday?
1: The three, okay. a game, 11 a.m. Saturday is, uh, Elizabeth town and Ashland blazer. Okay.
0: I had them reversed. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. What <laughs> kind of, uh, uh, how does that shape up?
1: Uh, I feel like it's it's another – this is the only game uh, of the uh, six title games that features two undefeated teams. Oh, really? And it's the only team where the seeding is held. You know, Elizabethtown was number one at the end of the regular season, and Ashland Blazer was number two. And uh, these are the only ones, you know, ones and twos that are facing each other. There's some ones that made it. I know, a couple twos that made it. But nobody's nobody's one and two made it except for Class 3A to get to this point. Wow. And uh, Elizabethtown, it ha- has got. They generate a lot of offense. They're like 2,000, more than 2,300 uh, passing yards and 2,500 rushing yards. Um, they've got just a lot of playmakers. Their their senior quarterback Clay Games has thrown for more than 2,000 yards and 32 D- 30 TDs, and um, they've got a running back with a thousand yards, Cameron McNeil. Uh, it's you know, it's uh, haven't been able to keep up with them because we, we don't follow Elizabethtown very much. But there's a lot to like about them. And it just uh, to, to get here, they, you know, they defeated Christian Academy Louisville, which has been a power for a while and won a state championship a couple of years ago under a different coach. Um, Bardstown was probably their toughest competition in district and, and kind of looks just like them and scores just like them. Elizabethtown is one of the highest scoring offenses in the state. I think they rank five statewide. Uh, on the other side, Ashland Blazer has got the toughest defense on paper in the state. They only allow 45 points all season, um, and that's one better than uh, Trinity in 6A. You know, Trinity's competition's probably a little tougher than what Ashland Blazer faces, but still, the, to have as many uh, you know games where they just shut people down is impressive. And they won their game last week, uh, I think. 10 to 3 over Belfry. I mean, holding Belfry's offense down when Belfry just runs over people year in and year out, uh, that's pretty impressive. And, and Ashland has a, a running back who's he's a, he's a three star recruit on the recruiting chart. He's got offers from Cincinnati and, and Miami, Keontae Pittman. Um, uh, he's pretty much most of their offense, he has more than 1,300 yards and 21 TDs. And uh, you know they're more more run heavy than pass heavy. They don't they don't pass a lot. And that's one of the reasons I'm concerned for them because I think um, that Elizabethtown is a lot more balanced and seems a lot more potent. And we're going to see whether Ashton's number one defense can handle the number five <laughs> offense. Yeah, uh, I I think uh, Elizabethtown takes that one out in the in the squeaker, really, in a low scoring squeaker, really.
0: So yep. so far anyway, these all sound like they're pretty even matchups. they'll be pretty good games. That's good.
1: yeah I mean I, I the the RPI system has gotten criticism because you know it's generated a lot of repeat business. We, we saw onburn Douglas for the se- second year in a row and you know we've seen some of the same matchups year over year, but it has done its job. It has gotten rid of the the great semifinal game and kind of poor, final game <laughs> really? yeah. well, <laughs> because because of the seating uh-huh. so we're getting we're actually getting the two best team we don't get the two best teams in the semi-final just by the luck right. of the draw right. we're getting them in the finals and that's really nice yeah
0: that's good it's the way it should be uh, okay let's move on to uh the 5a uh owensboro versus uh bowling green what about that
1: game well i, I haven't seen much of bowling green but they're a win over uh Owens or covenant Catholic last week was pretty impressive because it, it happened so fast. It seemed like, uh, I was on central time, uh, covering Douglas in, in Owensboro. And it seemed like the Bowling Green covenant Catholic game was over in no time and they'd won 20 to nothing. And it was like, Whoa, what, what has happened? It's like, how is this, how is this already taking place? And I'm just under my first quarter. And, uh, uh so that was that's the way shocking. it always I mean, happens
0: I, the game you're covering is really slow the other <laughs> game is the one that goes on real you know it's just over but, you know very quickly but go ahead
1: but uh you know Bowling green looks tough i mean they have to play they have to play south warren twice a year to get out of south warren. so that's warren's that's words the perennial title contender <clears throat> um yeah, i got connor cooper senior quarterback who's who uh, does just enough. He's, a, he's dual threat. He's got 2,000 yards total, uh, about you know, 20 TDs. Uh, Javius Button at running back is uh, you know, 964 yards and, and 19 TDs rushing. Uh, they have a U.K. commit at tight end, Jordan Dingle, who, who uh, he, he's not a huge receiving threat for them, but him just being there uh, probably makes uh, everybody else better. And, uh, you know, they've just got kind of a, a steady, consistent offense that, that gets the job done. And last week they got a, a few interceptions. I think they had something like five interceptions in the Southern Catholic. And that would be a concern for for an Owensboro team with, with Gavin Given Gavin Wimsight is probably one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the nation as a junior. He threw three touchdowns last week against uh, Douglas but he also threw two picks and they were two key picks because they let Douglas back in the game. He threw one deep in his own end that was uh, picked off on the 11th yard line. Uh, their own 11 and it set them up Douglas up for a quick TD and then he got picked off again at midfield as they were they were trying if they'd scored one more that probably would have done Douglas in and he he threw a pick in at midfield that set uh, Douglas up for a go-ahead score. So with that Bowling Green secondary, he's probably looked at that tape and liked that a whole lot. Uh, but uh, Owensboro secondary is pretty good too. I just don't know if Bowling Green's going to give him as many chances as as Douglas did because Douglas tosses the ball around quite a bit. And we talked about Gavin Wimsatt. He was the uh, Coaches Association Player of the Year in Class 5A as a junior, um, which is something kind of unusual because usually you know, like lots of Organizations save those for seniors, but Wimsett's he's been really good. I mean, he made the throws he needed to make uh, last Friday to, to, to get the job done. He did throw those two picks, but the, the, the passes that uh, he threw and the runs that he made against Douglas uh, to get them up big and keep them in that game and, the, you know, the the drive with the pressure on, uh, he, he pulled it down when he needed to, and he made the checkdowns that he needed to um to get that game won and he's got more than 2,000 yards uh passing and, and 26 2016 he's passing and he he runs it enough it's 408 yards and he he's he's elusive back there he, he can he can do the play as called and he can do the play after it breaks down really? um so that's going to be really exciting yeah. uh this week he's got enough playmakers everywhere Ethan Avery had, had a big game against Douglas Trayvon Tinsley had a big game against Douglas on defense, um, you know, holding the Douglas offense, which was, you know, one of the best in the state, you know, they, uh, Red Devils were able to to deal with Douglas. So you would think they would be able to deal with Bowling Green. Um, I I haven't picked this game yet. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I think it'll be close. Uh, and uh, it's just a matter of whether, you know, th- is this Gavin Wimsatt's coming out party? Does yeah. he make it his, his game? Uh, if he does, you know, they win. Um, and if not, he's going to have a little setback his junior year and something to shoot for next year.
0: Yeah, uh, well, it'd be uh, uh, be an interesting game, which brings up the question, how many people can come and watch these games? Because I was going to say, in a normal um, year, I would think a lot of people would show up just to see him play, who hadn't got a chance to see him play because he is going to be such a highly recruited kid, especially next year, a kid that Kentucky, I'm sure, I know, is is after. Uh, but this, of course, isn't the usual year. What it what are what are the attendance restrictions? Uh,
1: tickets are on sale in advance only. Uh, they are available now if you go to khsaa.org. Uh, you can find the link to buy them. The capacity is limited to a lower bowl. They're not opening the upper bowl, but the lower bowl can hold with social distancing. They think around 7,000. Okay. And that's really, a, you know, for the 6A game on Saturday night, uh, that game has generally been more than that. But every game that uh, they've had uh, has has been... Between six and eight thousand, really, maybe okay. maybe nine thousand on the top end. While it's been at Kroger Field, it's hovered around the seven thousand mark. Really, okay. You know, some games have been a little more, some games have been a little less. Now, uh, you know, the six eight games have been a lot more, um, but they can handle the crowd that they almost usually get. And I think with people's concerns, you know, there's enough tickets available for anybody that wants to go to go. I think. I don't think it'll be any problem. You'll have to pick up which side you want to root on. Yeah. No neutrals. <laughs> yeah. Okay. you got
0: to pick one or the other.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Well, that's good. Well, then if people are really interested in going, then that uh, that's good that they'll get a chance to go. Uh, okay. Let's talk about uh, the final one, Class 6A, which I assume it's Saturday night as well this year uh, with Trinity and Mail.
1: Trinity and Mail And uh, Trinity's quarterback, Nathan McElroy, just uh, decided he was going to Butler. Oh, really? Um, so that's interesting, but yeah, this, this is a rematch of last year. And unfortunately for male, Trinity's got almost everybody back from last year that played in that game that won them and beat them and, and beat them pretty handily. Uh, you know, they've got something like five D one offers on, on Trinity, uh, in the senior class, a couple of offensive linemen, uh, Jack Dingle at linebacker, who's going to, to Cincinnati. Um, they've got a, a D1 running back, Armin Tucker. Um, he's just a junior, but he's already got D1 offers and is on the recruiting rankings there for, for the Shamrocks. Male is good. Of course, Male is good. They're here in the state finals. But Male is also young. They're younger than, than Trinity. And they're D1 prospects, defensive end named Ceele Brown, linebacker named Elijah Brown, a wide receiver named Vinny Anthony. They're all juniors. So this is going to be a great experience for them. And they might be able to, you know, they got beat by Trinity earlier this year. They played the first game. They're going to play the first game of the year against each other and the last game of the year against each other. (laughs) I I think, well, this is Mel's first game. Trinity played uh, Cincinnati Molar to start their season. But in the game earlier this year, Trinity won 43-14. And to me, unless Mel's gotten a lot better, <laughs> it feels like that's gonna be the same story. score again. Uh, you know, Brad West rushed for almost hundred yards and two touchdowns for Trinity in that game. Uh Nathan McElroy, he's he's not a big deep threat quarterback. They they you know he is a game manager and they manage the game really well. Um, you know, his big plays will come from receivers making catches, you know making runs after the catch a lot of times. I'm not saying he can't throw a deep ball, but a lot of his big passes are, are uh, route route generated after the catch. Um, but you know, Trinity's just a machine, man. (laughs) I don't know what, I don't know what to do about them. They're a problem. (laughs) Yeah. You don't, you don't get as many uh, titles as they have, which is in the, you know, I I've lost track. I don't yeah. know how many times I am. <laughs> uh, let's anymore. see what. I, I, no, I will count. I will count them for you. Here we go. Twenty six championships, most all time. Wow! And they made the trip. They're twenty six and four in the state finals. Wow! So just on odds. <laughs> yeah,
0: They'd have to be the favorite.
1: <laughs> the Shamrocks are, are the favorite now. I think that the male's going to have something for him next year. It, it, it's 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 more cyclical for everybody else. I, I think that the cycle is going to favor Mel next year. Um, and if, um, and if they, they manage to get a win, I mean, anything can happen. I did not think there was any way in the world that Douglas was going to lose to Onsboro uh, on last Friday. And they started out in a 21-0 hole. And if Trinity puts the ball on the ground or uh, throw, throws it to the other team, Anything can happen because Mel's good enough to make them pay for it. That's for certain.
0: Yeah, but but, but Trinity would have to be the favorite coming in. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anything else about the the finals overall that fans should look
1: for? I mean, I think we just got a really another a great slate of games again this year. I, I think that, uh, that the RPI system has come under some scrutiny and, and, and people – kind of like the old traditional East versus West kind of deal that was going on, but give me the best games. And we've, we've got another year where with COVID and everything, really the teams that are supposed to be here, we can say that Douglas should be here. Douglas got beat and they got beat honestly. Um, so Owensburg absolutely deserves where they are. And, and we've got the best, the best high school football teams are on the field this weekend at Kroger field and I think before the RPI system we couldn't really say that we would say that a lot of state semifinals were, were the better game and we get we get 20 30-point blowouts um, in the finals now not to say that we won't have a 30-point blowout but not every you know more games than that are going to be right down to the wire right
0: well, that's great. That's the way it should be. You should have the two best teams, the two the two teams that are playing the best this time of year, should be in the finals. So it should be a great weekend. This weekend at Kroger Field, the games on. Uh, when when did the, when is the what are the what are the times on the games?
1: Uh, each day is eleven a.m., three p.m., and seven p.m. Um, there's uh, they're on video. There'll be video links for subscribers if they go to khsaa.tv. As a subscription, it's only something like ten bucks a month to subscribe, but you'll get all six games. Uh, they'll be streaming on Mixler KCSA. net has a Mixler radio broadcast if you if you'd like to listen in. Um, but uh, there's all lot, lots of ways to keep up with it, and okay. I'll be on Twitter That's the right. entire you know for for much of it. Uh, I'll be doing the uh, afternoon and evening games. Uh, On Twitter, I'll tweet highlights out for each of those games on Friday and Saturday, the LCA, um, Beachwood game, Boyle County and Franklin County, which I was definitely not going to miss, and then Owensboro and Bowling Green, and I'll be doing also uh, Trinity and Mail. And, uh, you know, we'll have Josh Moore, the U.K. football writer, doing the the morning games featuring the Eastern Kentucky teams uh, at 11 a.m. each day.
0: Yeah. So tell, tell them how they can follow you on Twitter.
1: I'm at HL preps at Sybil HL preps um, on Twitter. And then for Josh Moore, he's Josh Moore HL. And uh, we, we tweet highlights all during the games and give, you know, sometimes we give our responses. I had a uh, a highlight last uh, Friday from from the Owensboro game where Dane Key uh, uh a UK target and a son of a UK player, uh, player, Dante Key. He had, uh before I got home, he had 19,000 views on the catch. It was an 83 wow. yard touchdown catch where he leapt up, took it away from somebody. Two defenders fell to the ground behind him, and he took it 83 yards to the house. And I think it's going on 35,000 views right I've, now.
0: I've seen that. I've seen that. I'm one of the 35,000. In fact, I've probably hit that, it more than once. So
1: it's really fun. I need a few more of those. Yeah, that's good.
0: And then you say uh, Josh Sullivan will be out there helping as well, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Josh Sullivan will be writing up uh, uh, the evening games. Uh each day, but he, he does a little less t- Twitter than I do. That's why I'm doing the Twitter games.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, that's good. If you want to follow Josh on Twitter, he's at Sully Josh, S-U-L-L-Y Josh. Right. Uh, so Okay, so be sure and follow be sure follow Jared especially uh, and Josh Moore and Josh Sullivan, but be sure and follow Jared especially. Uh, Jared will have all the coverage leading up to the games, during the games, after the games uh, on, at Kentucky.com, and then uh, we'll have uh, also coverage in the print edition of the Herald-Leader. Anything else before I let you go here, uh, Jared? Uh,
1: by the time this airs, the, the 1A through 4A previews will be out, and okay. the 5A 6A previews will be on the way on okay. Kentucky.com.
0: Be sure and look for those. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, as always, for being on the podcast. Thank you. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Jared Peck. Be sure and follow Jared on Twitter at HLPreps. Uh, Be sure and follow all his coverage on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Arrow Leader leading up to the playoffs, which start Friday at Kroger Field, and they run through Saturday night all six classes. Jared, uh, Josh Moore, Josh Sullivan, they'll all be there. Be sure and check out all of their coverage on Kentucky.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitch Spotify, tuned in Google podcasts, iHeart podcasts just about anywhere you can find your podcast. You can find the John Clay podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay. I V we had a podcast earlier in the, earlier in the week, uh, talking about UK's new offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen. I talked to Kevin Modesti of the LA daily news about the Rams offense. And we, and I also added uh, Liam's, comments to the Kentucky media we got a QA and a session with him on Zoom on Tuesday uh, be sure and check that out as well we'll have a we'll have a podcast later in the week previewing the Kentucky UCLA basketball game which is coming up Saturday in the CBS Sports Classic so look for that as well uh, once again we really appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast and we'll be talking to you again soon